This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Jerkins, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 253. I am your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Ed, drinking out of my brand new TBU coffee mug. That's a fact. This is Steph, drinking out of an old jam jar, because I'm poor. (laughs) (laughs) And we are bringing the latest comic news and comic book reviews from the weeks of July 1st through July 14th. We have two books to cover, including a pretty big one. And there's hardly any news because basically it's that time of the year where Comic-Con's right around the corner and news is about to happen. We'll have plenty of news on the next episode. Yeah, I'm sure we will. (laughs) I'm sure we'll have at least some news on the next episode because solicitations will be out by the next episode as well as anything that happens at San Diego. And I got to say, there's a couple creators out there who keep hyping San Diego as if there's actually going to be real news announced. So I'm looking forward to seeing what actually gets announced. So with that, let's jump straight into the news. So the only thing I've got to actually mention is that there is one new Last Week in the Batcave to check out. Definitely check that out if you haven't. Those normally post every Monday. During the summer, we're having a couple weeks off here and there because Jessica's on vacation or out of town. So if you are looking for that, that normally posts on Monday mornings. Outside of that, there is two new episodes of DC All Access. One is Dan DiDio talking about the new creative team that's coming to Wonder Woman. And then on the other one, he's talking about Batgirl and the wedding and the Walmart comics. So be sure to check that out. I will say that on the latest episode, which was posted on July 11th, he does show off the new format that DC Black Label is going to be doing, which is more European style, which means if you are... Super, super European. You know, you've got all your stuff organized on your shelves. If you got your stuff organized on your shelves, your shelves are going to have to start getting a little bit taller because European style is longer and wider, or taller and wider pages. So, like if go you with are the interested, yeah. If you, if you are interested in taking a look, check it out on the the video. It was kind of interesting to see. Um, that's and it is prestige format, and it is posting. I think with thicker paper too, but that's where you could see that if you want to see that. So outside of that, there is no other news. I mean, DC All Access continues to come out every Wednesday, but outside of that, it's just the lull before a Comic-Con. So let's dive straight into our comic book reviews, and the first one we've got is what could be the main event, Batman number 50. <laughs> Batman number 50, writer Tom King, art various. I'm not going to list them all. I have stolen most of this summary from Ian on the website because I didn't feel like writing my own. Thank you, Ian. At Finger Tower, 
Batman suggests to Catwoman that they get married tonight on the roof with a judge and two witnesses. Catwoman agrees, and even Kite Man offers his trademark, hell yeah. At Porky's Bar, famous for the Batman Elmer Fudd special and Batman Annual Number 2, not the first Annual Number 2, the second Annual Number 2, uh, Batman picks up a judge while Selina bribes a guard at Arkham to release Holly Robinson for a night. Bat and Cat find the twins Twiddledee and Tweedledum waiting for them separately and fight them. At Wayne Manor, Selina and Bruce get ready for their rooftop elopement with Holly and Alfred serving as attendants. The bride and groom see each other in the library and embrace. Holly mentions that she's never seen Batman look happy and muses that he's always needed his misery. Alfred asks Bruce who his witness will be and Bruce asks if Alfred himself could be the witness. Deeply moved, Alfred sits behind Bruce then embraces him fiercely. Driving away from the manor, Selena tells Holly she wrote Bruce a letter and asks if she is a hero, to which Holly responds, don't you have to be? We then find out, this is the part that Ian didn't write, but I had I couldn't resist to put this in here. At this point, we find out at some point that the judge is a drunk who will be so drunk that he won't remember giving them getting them married. Driving separately, Bruce tells Alfred he wrote Selena a letter and asks if he can be happy, to which Alfred says, don't you have to be? On the roof at Kane Plaza, Selena sits in her wedding dress, dejected. She stands, throws away her veil, and then jumps off. Not me, not to her death, just jumps away. At Finger Tower, Bruce looks at the empty horizon. Alfred asks if they should wait. Bruce says no. He then jumps, uh, again, not to his death, just away. In the basement of Arkham Asylum, Holly descends. She tells an unseen person that Catwoman brought her back, locked her up, and that she was devastated. The person responds, don't worry, I know. He is what I have made him. The bat is broken. We didn't see Bane sitting on a throne of skulls. Arkham security is bloody awful. <laughs> uh, Holly kneeling before him, surrounded by Riddler, Joker, Psycho Pirate again, Psycho Pirate again, Gotham Girl, Skeets, the Ventriloquist, Flashpoint Batman, and Hugo Strange. So, here's my first question. Bet you couldn't see this one coming. Hey, they didn't get married. What do you think? Well, here's, <laughs> I don't know how the, to put that. here's the thing. I, I I'm I'm cut <sighs> because you're working couple, out. You're ripped. No, no, no. I wish I was ripped. Uh, no, torn between two sides of this. The first side of this is, you know, obviously the wedding was spoiled. We had read it before it was spoiled. Reading it and seeing that it wasn't happening, it was a disappointment. But at the same time knowing that Tom King didn't intend for this to be the end of the story. I don't know. I mean, like I can't sit here and say that I'm completely disappointed because I, I feel like there's still a chance hoping that there's still a chance that they could end up together somehow. The problem is that at this point we don't know. We, I mean, like it's going to be a while before we get to the point of seeing any sort of resolution to the wedding not happening afterwards or even before there was a point where there was an interview that was done with Tom King saying that this is always supposed to be the midpoint of his story, not the end of the story. And he said that if there's one overall theme of the entire Batman 100 issue run or 102 issues, whatever, then it would be Batman and Catwoman's relationship. So seeing that or seeing that and reading that in the interview, it gave me hope that like it could potentially still happen. I have to say that I'm going to be extremely hesitant as I'm sure a lot of fans are going to be super hesitant because, you know, at this point we talked about this slightly before, but like at this point it getting ruined the way or the way it all played out with 
it getting spoiled, DC hyping it up as much as they did, and then it not actually going through, it almost feels like there's absolutely no way they can do that exact same thing over again in the regards of hyping up them getting back together and actually getting married. So if it happens, it has to happen very low-key and kind of out of nowhere, which seems anticlimactic given the entire situation of the story. So knowing that he wants to, you know, that, that this is not something that's just over, you know, it's not the last time we're going to see Catwoman in the issue. I'm okay with it not happening here, but I will say it's extremely disappointing because the immediate reaction, the immediate gut reaction based off of what's shown on page is, well, Bane really is messing with Batman. And now this entire relationship is, is not happening and is not going to have the outcome that I wanted because it's a plot point for a villain story. And that, that I think that was, you know, taking it at face value, that was extremely frustrating. Getting a little bit better of an explanation afterwards and, and letting it sit in, I'm not as upset about it, but I mean, it's definitely disappointing because the way it plays out in the issue. I mean, like the problem is, again, we're at a situation where Tom King has to explain something in order for people to not be upset about it or to understand what he was trying to achieve. And I've said this multiple times. He's got to stop doing this. He's got to stop doing things where everything has to be explained because people are reading it and not getting what he's trying to accomplish. He's got to figure out a way to like not have that keep happening because his stuff is just going to end up getting less and less enjoyed by people because of the way it's people are taking things at face value, which let's be honest, that's the majority of the way people think about things and, and read comics. They take stuff at face value. They're not looking at it from the perspective of let me sit here and try to get inside the mind of the writer and figure out what he means and how you wanted this to actually play out. So, yeah. I was a good girl and I stayed off the internet and I stayed off anything that could spoil it. So I didn't know till I read the end what was going to happen. And I finished reading. And a few hours later, my husband came home. And I was getting hangry at him because he didn't make dinner yet. And he just came home. And I realized, you know, when you're hangry, you don't feel that in your chest. You feel that in your stomach. I was like, I think I'm heartbroken. I think I'm upset. I think I'm about to cry because Batman and Catwoman didn't get married. But I got over that. I knew the moment they got engaged that this would be the bullcrap reason on page anyway that they wouldn't get married. Is that Batman needs to be angry to be Batman, which is nonsense because Dick Grayson is not an angry person and he was a perfectly fine Batman for two years. And I don't know. Yeah, you're, you're right. I didn't like that Selena was out with like one thing like that without discussing it with him. I don't know. I thought that was silly. But so that was my reaction initially to them not getting married was like, I knew it. I knew this is why they wouldn't get married. And it's just so sad because it would make very interesting stories of them together as a couple for the next 50 issues. He's like, go ahead and tell your story. Why can't they be together to tell it? Because if he goes to issue 100 and they don't get together till issue 100 and then he leaves, he's leaving something to someone else and they may not want to work with Batman and Catwoman and, and do something weird. I don't know. Oh, we've seen that before. I mean, we've seen that. Yeah. We've seen, you know, a, a writer who had a huge plan. And I'm not saying this. Detective Comics is obviously the one that comes to memory mm -hmm. Most often, but I am not saying in any way that what's going on in Detective Comics is negating what James Tynion did. It actually feels like it's building on it, but it's definitely true that 
if a writer doesn't get what they want accomplished in the time that they have before they get either taken off the book or before the end of the book rolls around that they're they're working on there are it's very few and far between that another writer is going to come in and and hit on that those same story points it just doesn't happen and then just, just in media in general there's so few movies or stories about a couple that's already established doing something awesome it's always how is the couple going to get together and that gets old after you know forever so now it's my turn to answer yeah, this question now sure, yeah. i think it's just junk <laughs> sorry like I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. Dustin, I, I, I love you taking the high road, man, and that's great, but I think this is just junk. I mean, pure and simple. And I, I like I don't want to hear the whole, like, what's well, out of Tom King's control? Okay, fine, but you're the head writer of this story. You're the head writer of Batman, which leads the charge, so you're going to get it. The whole lead-up, all of the quote-unquote tie-ins are nonsensical garbage that don't relate to the story at all. They talk about... The whole Dick Grayson, you know, are you going to, who's going to be, you know, is Clark going to be your best man? Uh, Damien with Catwoman. Like, this stuff obviously didn't happen in Tom King's story. It didn't happen. The absolutely garbage notion that the only person he can find to marry him and, and Selena is a judge who's so drunk he won't remember it. Like, let's be honest. In today's world, you can get any, anybody can become certified on the internet and become somebody who can perform a wedding. Can't Arthur? He's the king of Atlantis. Couldn't he marry him? Like, I mean, not... like, really, what does it matter? I mean, like, the entire idea of them getting married and in their civilian identities and they need to have somebody, it, again, negates this entire, the whole Joker story. Like, what was the point of the Joker story if there, if this was what the wedding was actually going to be? There's nobody there. Nobody has any idea that the wedding's going on. What was the point of having all of this build up to it anyway? They literally go from like, you know, they get engaged. They've got all these like little onesie, twosie issue stories of like them interacting with other members of the Just League. Those were all fine. But literally the wedding could have just happened at any point after that. Like there were, it needed to be zero buildup well, at you, all. You, you can't put Batwoman and Catwoman on a marriage certificate. It's not a legal wedding. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like. This whole thing. But is, how is this legal in the first place? It's not. Like, so why do you even need a judge? And you can't tell me out of all their friends in the Justice League, like, and all their other friends that none of them are an ordained minister? Are you kidding me? Get out of here with that garbage. Right? Like, it's just garbage. Arthur's a sovereign king of a country. I know he could marry him. Right? Like, it's junk. It's just, they can go to, they can go to, to Themyscira and get married. Nobody cares who Selena Kyle and Bruce Wayne are in Themyscira. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. It's just it's just junk and it's 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 sloppy. It it puts you through six months of stuff. I mean, and again, maybe this isn't this part might not be Tom King's fault. But they talk about remember all the promotional material? Who's gonna be on the wedding list? Nobody was on the wedding <laughs> list. Right? Like it was Well, he said it himself. He said like the, the biggest secret of everything and it's like nobody but on it. There's nobody on it, so it's I like mean, saying my salary's a secret because I make minimum wage. It's not a secret. Like, you know, like, it's just junk. Like, this whole thing is is on just some level. It's just, it's just junk. I'm sorry. To me, it's just, it's just flat out junk. I don't like it. It's not just the fact they didn't get married. It, it was the most obvious closure to this in the history. Oh, you can't be happy, which is BS. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right? Like, even as new as New 52 and rebirth 
He's been happy when he's surrounded by his family. Alfred, Tim, Steph. Stop this Batman's gotta be miserable crap. Right? Like, that's just not true. It's never been true. You could argue that he's a better Batman when he is happy. You know? Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you he's blowing up air balloons. I mean, but he can be happy. Yeah. You know? Like... This goes back to the old, remember the old Dan DiDio, you can't have him happy, you can't have him get married, which which is junk, you know? The story is beyond disappointing. It's not even much of a story as it is a, a, a long-winded explanation of what we didn't do, right? Like, oh, well, we didn't get married. Oh, we didn't clear up the fact that Selena Kyle's a murderer. He'll show you Holly Robinson to remind you of that. We'll talk about the two different, you know, we met on a boat, we met on an alley. Well, let's bring that up again. We won't actually give you any closure in it. I mean, it's just like this whole issue was there to remind me why the stuff we didn't get i'm sorry like i i am not trying to be overly critical or angry or any of that but like with stuff i talked about this with my wife i'm like this is the biggest junk i've read in a long time like this is junk like 50 issues and this is what we get a, a, a six month lead up to guess what we're not getting married because i'm afraid he's, he's gonna be not be he's not gonna be happy stop it's junk like if you guys disagree with me, I get it. But for me, this comic is just, it's junk. It is, I can't imagine you doing it any worse. The only bright spot of this comic, to me, was the multiple artwork styles and showing a Dark Knight Returns artwork, a Year One artwork, a Batman Noel artwork. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I thought some of the art pieces were cool. I really liked the Batman Noel callback one. And I know that, the, you know, this might be being overly critical and i and i and here's the thing guys i like long form storytelling i remember one dustin you remember back when i when i was one defending like the 12 issue scott snyder stories remember and i'm yep. like it's not that long it's fine i don't mind long but 50 issues how many how many issues was no man's land it was like over two years i mean and there was at least six to eight issues per month so is this going to be no man land long when this is finally collected together i just i don't know like and again maybe i'm being critical that's certainly possible but for me this is 100 percent junk it's just it's sloppy and it doesn't do anything for me at all my question here my next question and i'm sure we'll get off topic and that's fine and tie in your answers with my comments was we get bane reintroduced as the big bad of the series again i don't know why and psycho pirate god like are we still gonna do this with this guy like i really don't like the psycho pirate thing I just don't like Psycho Pirate. He's just weird. But, like, what do you guys think about us going... Like, this really does feel... And this is the one thing I'll give Tom King credit for. Since we are going back to the well of, like, we're going back to Bane again, this does feel like a story that's never ended, but I don't mean it in a good way. What do you guys think of the um, of that stuff? I forget where I read it, but somewhere I read that, that Bane, you know, tried to break... Batman physically and obviously didn't work, so now he's trying to break him emotionally. And yeah, see, and I yeah. read that too. Oh, I read right. that you mean too. Nightfall. And, and you mean Nightfall? Yes, yes, re- re- yeah. yes. The interview was basically talking about how Bane tried to break him physically during Nightfall and essentially failed in the larger scheme of things. And this time, he's trying to mentally break Batman, and that's why this all happened. Still doesn't explain how it happened and why it happened. I guess, and the the thing is, I, I went on this big, long trying to figure, or a big, long trek of trying to figure out how exactly you could explain each and every single one of the people that is present on that panel, including Flashpoint Batman. 
And there are some people who say, well, the reason, the, the way that Flashpoint Batman could be there is because of Skeets. He somehow traveled through time and brought, and I'm just sitting here thinking, but, but that implies that somehow Bane was able to, to flip Skeets to be evil. And then Skeets is able to not just travel through time, but travel through two, two different timelines. Because let's be clear, that's on a different timeline. It's not like just going back in time or going forward in time. It's on a completely different wavelength so there's other problems too like why in the world why is gotham girl in arkham asylum Mm -hmm. considering she hasn't even worn the costume and hasn't appeared she was in arkham asylum for a short time if i remember correctly i want to say she was there because i remember she was being treated by psycho pirate yeah but but that was done and i mean we saw he left him in there did she leave (laughs) gotham girl in arkham are you kidding me with that Right, and then he left her there with her costume. <laughs> oh man, Bane's got a skull. He's got like, a statue of skulls in the basement of Arkham. <laughs> How is the Joker back there already? Yeah, shouldn't he be like the... unable to move? Like, well, if that was months ago, though, that's that's the only thing that made sense to me was that they captured Joker after the Fair. church, and if that was months ago, then he should be better with his costume on. Fair. With his costume, and they're all in co- like. Yeah, they're all in costume. They let them keep that. And I'm not even trying to like beat like the dead horse, right? I'm I'm not, I'm really not. But I don't see how you can really take my and and I am apologized to all these reviewers who have been telling me that I'm stupid that I've been reading online because you don't get it. It's it's dude. All the people giving us perfect scores out there, you're nuts. Okay, right? Like it's not perfect. It's not even mediocre. It's bad. How would you rate it, though, or judge it, or have an opinion, if the preludes didn't exist? Because I realized when I read the first page, okay, the preludes have nothing to do with this. And so I tried really hard to have the form an opinion based on, okay, Tom King had nothing to do with the preludes. He didn't ask for them. He didn't give any direction. So ignoring their existence, I did find it to be slightly more enjoyable than Ed did or more, way more enjoyable than Ed did because I, I, I chose, <laughs> I chose to ignore the preludes. If you enjoyed it at all, you're winning on me. <laughs> I judge this and this is something I've always tried to do and haven't always been the best at it is judge it strictly on what I'm being presented with. I'm not always the best about that. The preludes make it worse. Yes. But to me to take 50 issues to telling me that, we took 50 issues to tell me we're exactly where we started, right? Like, Bane is about to break the bat, Gotham Girl's gone bad, and Catwoman and Batman have a really bad relationship. That's where we started this at. Like, way back in Batman number one after Rebirth. Isn't this where we started at? Bane was the big bad, getting Psycho Pirate, assembling these people. Like, what, are we still here? Like... That's my problem with it. And I, the, the preludes don't make it better stuff. You're, you're right about that. That's only going to help, you know? But, I mean, we're just where we started. Nothing's happened. And I understand the, the nature of comic books to be circular and, and, and tell those type of stories. And, and characters always have to fight, find their back to true center. I get that. I do. But come on. That implies that they can they can never change. And I don't believe that for a moment. I don't believe that characters have to stay the same all the time like the, the idea of like getting back to the true center i don't believe that batman needs to be 
single or needs to be, you know, can't be in a relationship to be at his true center. And that's, that's part of the problem. I think that, that I have with this more than anything, it's not so much about the fact that the wedding, it's not so much like the idea that it comes back full circle and we don't get any real movement on where Batman's at. It's more about this idea that this is just a stepping stone to get to somewhere else. And this is all part of some giant plan. And, and like, I don't know, it, it comes down to like this idea that everything, all of the stories have to be somehow connected. And I'm not saying I don't enjoy when they are, but I am not enjoying how all of these arcs from the very beginning, because I mean, pulling in Gotham girl in that image that brings us to the very beginning of the first issue of Batman. So Batman number one to Batman number 50 and the annuals in between, like it literally pull, is pulling from every story arc and saying, well, everything is connected and you have no idea that anything is connected now. You're going to be super pissed about the fact that they're not married because I'm sure there's not that many people out there who are happy that they're not married. And if you are, aren't are happy, well, I mean, you're just going to be sitting here trying to wrap your head around the fact that how is it that all of these story arcs are all somehow interconnected and Bane's been pulling the strings this entire time. I mean, like, I've, I've read a couple of articles that have delved into certain story points within the individual arcs and how certain things aren't adding up if you include the characters in that panel and it's like yeah good luck trying to explain it because i'm not sure anybody's gonna be able to explain it unless tom king does a writer's commentary that's a you know a novel after everything's done i don't want to see the remember when they used to do these director's cut versions of comic books they still do they did it with dark knight's metal oh that's true they did i don't need to see this on director's cut like, just done with it. Seriously, like, this, this, I'm ready to move on and go to the next comic book in the Batman series when we get there. I'm not going to hold it against Tom King for the rest of his life. I don't even dislike the guy. He's probably a great human being. And if, if you people out there love this, and trust me, judging by the reviews online, we are in the, we, our site is in the absolute minority for not liking this. You realize that, right? Oh, I do, because I, I looked at the time and, like, Ian gave it three out of five. And, you know, I, I'm going to give it to the exact same rating. I honestly think it's right there with that same exact thing. But, like, it really just comes down to, I don't understand. Like, it's not a masterpiece in any way. And, honestly, the format of the issue is also, to me, really annoying. So, I want to talk about that for a second. The format of the issue is, like, we're doing this letter thing again. I know. Just, like, this pony. Can we get off this trick? Like- yes. We're, this isn't the first time he's done it especially in this run and I can't speak to you know other things he's written that I haven't read but he's doing this letter thing again where they're writing letters to each other but they're intertwined with the story and it doesn't it's not it doesn't come off as completely coherent in my opinion and I know that there's lots of people who disagree with it and lots of people who say that the letter thing is what makes it great but the other thing that I'm I I had a humongous problem with it was all these random one-page spreads of, you know, just Joe Schmo, Not Joe Schmo. I shouldn't say, but, like... Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Come on. Yeah, I mean, like, the... Well, no, no, I'm talking about, like, the, the big... The pinups? All the big artists with the pinups. Like, it, what was the point of it? Like, it took well, up space, and it filled the book, but, like, really, the book didn't become bigger than it really... I mean, like, sure, there was more pages, but some of these pieces, like the David Finch one, I don't think that was a new piece. I think that was a piece that he had from before. So, like, it's one of those things where it's like, I know that some of the stuff is original and some of the stuff was was unique to the book, 
but it's one of those things where it's like if you have to fill a third of your 48 page oversized special issue with pinups and then on each pinup you have to feature you have to say who the arts by that's just basically like what it's they used book. to do which was you know showcase some yeah it showcase at the end of the book they used to do this with some of the number 25s or the number 50s for some of the series pre-flashpoint which was they would showcase some covers that didn't actually they didn't actually use as like some filler stuff at the end to like make it an oversized issue so they could charge more the story would just be a couple extra pages long but then they would have extra pages that would showcase art they did that before flashpoint and now it just that's what it felt like it just felt like well here's a bunch of pieces of art I'm not saying that they're, you know, that that they're not good because a lot of them are really good, but it's not something I want to pay extra money for. I don't want to pay. And let's be clear, we went from Batman number forty nine costing two ninety nine to Batman number fifty costing four ninety nine. So it's two extra dollars for a double sized issue, but a third of the issue had pinups. I am firmly against the idea of like, what was the point of this? It feels like. Well, the issue was meant to be just a little bit longer, probably at that three ninety nine price range. DC said, "Well, what else can we put in this book to make it be four ninety nine? Because we know it's going to sell really well." I like the pinups. <laughs> I mean, because I'm I am newer to comics, right? So I didn't. This is like first time for everything for me, and I don't know. I I did like them. I think I agree with you though. Like, if if what you want is a story in a comic where the panels tell a story, obviously that doesn't deliver. But it was kind of fun for me, anyway, to see to see all the pictures and to have them yeah, be the backdrop to the letter. I, I think the the pinups were the, the the ones that were chosen. The majority of them were great pieces of art. I just don't feel like they belonged mm-hmm. in the middle of this book, like as like an album at the back. Fine. And I actually thought that that was the intent when they announced that there was going to be so many artists. I thought it was just going to be like an album showcasing the two of them together and like various different points of their relationship or over the large period of you know 80 years mm-hmm. that's what i thought it was going to be when they announced it i didn't realize it was going to just be intertwined into the story in this like weird way and that's what i think bugs me it did, it was weird that like what was written on the page had nothing to do with the picture it would have been nice if, if it was at least some element of it was it doesn't, come off, it doesn't come off as yeah. cohesive at all like it just comes off as stuff because it comes off as like that, it just is there I don't know. Yeah. Like, listen, I don't need to beat on it. Like, I don't need to, like, I think I've made my opinion pretty clear. You know? It was the biggest letdown I've had reading comic books in a long time. Not to mention, this is the only thing, I, my last thing I want to say. Okay? The official solicitation. You know, join Batman as all his friends for the wedding of the year. I don't know. This just, it just seems like a real disingenuous way to promote this. Especially since... And I knew three pages in and where we were going. It wasn't like, this isn't a wedding issue. This is, we're not, this isn't a celebration. This is mourning. You know? Like, so, yeah. I don't want to beat a dead horse anymore. Just, I'm going to give it one out of five. Yep, that horse is dead anyway, so I'm going to give Batman two and a half out of five. Oh, you guys, I'll give it a 3.5 because, I don't know. Like, when I read something, I, I do remember a lot of the good things like his interaction with Alfred was just really touching and cute and the art was awesome and even though they didn't get together and the ending is so confusing I don't know maybe a three three out of five I think that it's great that people have enjoyed this issue I really do <laughs> I do I, I seriously because listen I mean I know things aren't for everyone like I'm not the guy to be like you gotta agree with me first of all that would make for a boring podcast 
and I'm not right all the time. Like, I'm wrong all the time, right? So, it's cool. I'm really glad. I, I am glad the people I saw that, that really enjoyed it because it's just... And maybe in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, if things change, I can get there. But I was excited for the idea of the Batman-Catwoman wedding and the, the potential stories that could have came out of that could have been so cool. And I guess I'm just still angry about it. So over on the site, Ian gave it three out of five. So collectively, that's going to give Batman number 50 a total of two out of five Batarangs. Moving into our next book, Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 984, written by Brian Edward Hill, art by Miguel Mendicona. Years ago in Markovia, we see a lady selling what seems to be a mask that reads thoughts to Karma. She asks him if his $1 million investment is to kill Superman. He tells her that he wants to bring justice to the world. In the present, Cassandra is running away from a machine gun toting Karma. She counterattacks and promptly disarms him. As they begin in fisticuffs, Karma states that her thoughts are much more beautiful than those of Duke Thomas. Duke's thoughts were confused, but Cassandra's are very focused. He delights in her anger and fear. She is afraid of herself. He attempts to win Cassandra over to his cause, but she refuses. At a private airfield in Gotham, Bruce meets Jefferson at the hangar. He shares that he wants Jefferson to train his wards. They have great talent, but many personal issues. He asks Jefferson how he would handle the situation, and Jefferson responds that one must find out what they have in common and build the structure from there. But above all else, whatever battle they must fight, you must fight along with them. It is important for them to know that you are in the battle with them. At that moment, Bruce receives a call from Alfred alerting him that Cassandra is in trouble. He tells Jefferson to change on the way. Karma tells Cassandra that all the sidekicks that all sidekicks are useless. He tells her that she deserves more than what Bruce is giving her. Cassandra asks who he is and he states that he is Justice. Upon saying this, he dislocates her shoulder. He once again pleads for Cassandra to join him and his cause. She refuses and goes to kick him in the chest. He grabs her leg and throws her down. As he goes in for the kill, Jefferson electrocutes Karma. He goes over to check on her and introduces himself. As Jefferson shares why he is there, Karma throws a car door at the back of Jefferson. Karma thanks Jefferson for all this power that he has given him. Karma detonates a sonic grenade that incapacitates them and then discharges Jefferson's lightning at Bruce. With Bruce severely wounded, Karma walks away from the fight, but not before he shares that all three of their minds exhaust him, in particular Bruce's. Karma notes that he is that it is so strange that of all the things Bruce remembers from the night his parents were murdered, that Bruce focuses on Martha's pearls. In Wayne Manor, Alfred offers Jefferson some tea. Upon finding out that Bruce is Batman, Jefferson is completely stunned. He tells Alfred that he thought Bruce Wayne was a spoiled rich boy. He also asks Alfred as to why Bruce asked for his help. Alfred responds that it is perhaps that he believes that he has made choices that Jefferson would never make. Perhaps it is his judgment that he seeks. Alfred then lets Jefferson know that Bruce is waiting for him in his room. Bruce lets Jefferson know that they are getting hit by his power was unpleasant, but he is thankful that Jefferson had not only his back, but also Cassandra's. Jefferson states that he does not condone Bruce employing kids in his crusade against crime. He tells Bruce that he that they need therapy, not costumes. Bruce agrees with him and then expounds further that Karma will use his wards to harm Bruce. He shares his alone will take down Karma and Cassandra and Duke will be removed from this pursuit. 
He shares that that they will be under Jefferson's command and he will have autonomy on how to lead them. Jefferson responds that they will want to help Bruce take down karma because now it is personal. What is he supposed to say to have them back down? Bruce responds that he should tell them that he is sorry. He notes that their presence makes him weaker. Okay, so the last comment that he says, you know, his presence makes him weaker, that's kind of basically tying it all back to the beginning of the issue as well as the end of the last issue. With Karma constantly telling Duke and Cassandra that having sidekicks is making Batman weaker. So that's the first thing I want to talk about. We've seen other stories, Batman stories, focus on Bruce not being or, you know, being by himself, being distant from the rest of the family. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that in some ways the family always grounds Bruce. Otherwise, Bruce gets too wrapped up in things. But this feels like karma is trying to point out that family makes Bruce weak. And it's because he's not at his peak because he could potentially be concerned about them. So my take on this... Well, I, I want to hear your guys' take on this first, but the question I guess I'm posing is, we've seen this before in Death of the Family. We've seen Joker try to do something very similar in this regard, where he's trying to prove to Bruce that the family is making him weaker. This seems like a slight retread, but involving new characters and different characters. So the question is, how how do you feel this is all playing out? Does it feel like... Death of the Family. I know, Steph, I don't know if you've read Death of the Family. I've, like, watched some re-videos and, and gone through the the panels and stuff like that. So I know the story. Yeah. So, I mean, like, based off of knowing the story and how it works out, do you feel like this is kind of drawing a lot of parallels to that? It does seem to. I mean, it, it, it's lacking the insanity of the Joker's plan, so it might make for a, I don't know, a different kind of story, even though it's the same foundation the direction it goes might be might be different and people's reactions would be different because wasn't the point of death of the family like to break the family up at the end this might this almost seems like it's it'll end with you know we're stronger together hopefully yeah and i'm guessing that's where they're going but it seems that it it kind of it seems a little strange that it it just seems like we're going in the same direction. I mean, obviously there's some difference. There obviously are differences. Like you said, the insanity is missing and this character happens to have a mask that allows him to. And and I remember bringing up in the last uh, episode with the last issue, I, I remember bringing up the idea of how could this guy be better than Cassandra? He, you know, Cassandra is supposed to be like this amazing fighter, but somehow he's able to, you know, come close to taking her down or in this case as we see here take her down but at least it's explained how that happens with that first introduction of explaining the helmet that he has allows him to read thoughts because obviously if he's reading thoughts he knows her moves before she actually does them so that makes sense i feel as if cassandra though would be one of if she knew that that was the case she would be able to fight without thinking and I say that because I feel like I've seen some movie in the past where something very similar, where they knew all the moves. I don't know what it was. I just feel like I've I've heard something like this before where somebody knows they can read the minds or read the thoughts and they know exactly what move is going to happen first. And the only way to beat them is to do everything sp- completely spontaneous. And I feel like if anybody would be able to do that, it would be Cassandra because she has got the fighting so down 
on in you know on pack that it's it would be entirely possible to fight like that but i feel like it happened in detective comics during the lady shiva i think that's what it was i think it was when she was fighting lady shiva at the beginning of rebirth lady shiva because she was one of the teachers of her she was able to you know know her moves and she had to do it i think that's where it happened the latest i'm sure it's happened before but do you think that this guy the karma is a meta or do you think the power absorption and release is his costume or the mask i'm sure it's the mask i'm sure he probably has got no powers and and i was hoping by this point we'd have a little bit better of a clue as to who he could be because we know it's a he because he keeps saying he or himself but i'm trying to i'm trying to honestly comprehend how in the world or who in the world this is but i mean at this point we've got nothing uh you know two issues into the story and we've got no idea of who it could be well also it might not be anyone he knows at all because if it's like a mind reading mask then everything he knows about yes Batman. yeah yeah and i didn't yeah. really even really put that yeah i didn't think about that up until now but that's a good point too because if he can read minds then it's you know there's that part of it i also feel like bruce at some point because of other telepathic metas out there i feel like bruce had he had some countermeasure for people reading his mind but i i don't remember what it was i can't honestly recall if there was something or not i just vaguely remember tinfoil hat <laughs> it's in it's in the cow well that sounds perfect sounds great to me i think you guys are right on the mark there so the next question i've got comes down to black lightning he didn't know who bruce was when bruce when it's revealed to him who bruce is he's surprised by it and i can understand him being surprised to a degree because of how jefferson is being portrayed here He's being portrayed as the type of hero who doesn't necessarily... He's not necessarily concerned with the other heroes out there because he's fighting a, a different type of criminal within Metropolis as it's shown in the first issue. It seems as if he doesn't worry about the other the other heroes. He's not like, you know, in the league and he's not in. he's not talking. He's got his own focus and that's what he's doing. So, like, I'm not surprised by that. Obviously, it negates previous incarnations of the Outsiders having Black Lightning and Bruce on the team because they all knew each other. Um, so that, there's that part of it, which, again, th- this buildup to what is obviously going to be some sort of Outsider series in the future is definitely not something that is is bad. I, I actually am really enjoying this story, but it is. In, there are certain aspects that it's, it feels odd just knowing that there's already history between these characters that are just somehow being ignored well is this the whole new continuity thing well yeah it must be it's got to be right like yeah but again like these are the arguments we always have where it's like when they go well it's all in continuity you can just remember it however you want to obviously we can't these guys never met before yeah so how many years of outsiders was black lightning on it ballpark for me six years seven like the entire run yeah how long was yeah I mean, a lot. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot. It was a lot. It wasn't like two issues. Yeah, it was not. Yeah, he I mean, he was a main focus for a long, a big chunk. So, I don't know. Like, I mean, as it's presented here, it's fine if if I can accept the fact they've never met before. You know what I mean? But there is such a history with these characters. I don't know. It just, I find it weird. 
Okay, so my last comment has to do with the art. We don't talk about the art a lot, but I just wanted to quickly touch on the art. So we're not unfamiliar with Mendicona's art because he has done different... He's been on Detective Comics in the past. He's done fill-in issues. I enjoy his art. I mean, it obviously is in that same style that a lot of other artists that I enjoy do, but I feel like it works perfectly. He has a great way of expressing action and movement that uh, you don't necessarily see with a lot of other ones, especially during the fight scene in the beginning that we see um, Cassandra and Karma fighting. I feel like the, the movement and the movement that's shown when the Batmobile comes, I feel like the movement is really, really done well. Um, thoughts on the art? I like the art. I've always liked this style. Cass looks really, really, the, the stuff with Cass is really well done. Batman looks good. He even, he even draws a good Batmobile. I like the guy's art. Yeah, I think the art in this story is super solid. I had read Titans right before I read this one, and I hated the art in Titans, so I was just so happy that this was like, oh, look, all the faces are a good shape <laughs> and consistent, and the size of people's heads from far away makes sense. And I don't know. I liked it. I liked I liked all of Bruce's muscles. He did a good job with the muscles. I know that's something you guys would notice, but... <laughs> yeah, it's not so... <laughs> Tone is very important for a superhero. I mean, I couldn't be a superhero. I mean, I'm not an obese, but I'm not, I'm not cut like Dustin said he was. <laughs> yeah, I'm not cut. Uh, talking about that Batmobile, it's kind of interesting because the Batmobile feels like it's three different... Con- or, well, kind of four. So it looks like the animated series is the main inspiration, but then it, ha- it feels like it has the Batman vs. Superman tires, at least in the front. It feels like the... Big bat on the front with the headlights reminds me of like the Batmobile from about 15 years ago. And then the red windshield and the red interior reminds me a lot of the flying Batmobile during Grant Morrison's run on Batman and Robin. So it's always interesting to me that when an artist has a Batmobile, because there are so many different Batmobiles to pull from and that can influence whatever they want to do. I mean, unless they're told you have to do this version, which... Let's be honest, I don't think that happens very often unless they're really trying to push a specific piece of merchandise, I guess, or a movie, um, you know, they're trying to push a version that appeared in the movie or whatever. But I mean, like, for the most case, I think they're given a lot of freedom when it comes to, like, which, what type of Batmobile they can do. And honestly, if it's different than other Batmobiles, it's unique to what they've done. So I just always find it interesting to see what they what influences their Batmobile. And it feels like a lot more now than it was probably like 10 years ago, but a lot more now it feels like the animated series Batmobile influences a lot more people. It's totally off topic, but did you guys fanboy out about all the Batmobiles in White Knight at the very end where it's like, let's have all the Batmobiles? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Well, he, that's because uh, Sean Murphy has, like, he, he's all about vehicles. His his thing is he loves oh, vehicles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, for him, it's like this was, like, his opus to <laughs> to having as many vehicles as he can. And I mean, obviously, if you have the ability to, to do whatever you want and you're a car guy, and I'm sure being a car guy, you want to be able to – use the different Batmobiles. That's that's definitely one way to go about doing it. So, All right, so this issue I'm going to give a total of three and a half out of five. I think so, too. I want to give it four. I'm going to give it four. I liked it a lot. I always like Black Lightning, though. 
I think 3.5. I, I, I wanted to give it a 3 because I didn't like it as much as the last one. But I also liked it more than the wedding issue. So I didn't feel like I could give it a lower rating. So 3.5 for, for me. All right. And over on the website, Tony gave it 3.5 out of 5. So that's going to give that issue a total of 3.5 out of 5 batterings. That is all of our in-depth reviews. Let's jump over to Greater Gotham. Starting off with July 4th, we had main TV books. We already talked about Batman number 50. Nightwing number 46, Dick and Barbara investigate the shady origins of a new tech company that's trying to insert itself into every corner of Bloodhaven. This was by Adele. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Catwoman number one, a week after Catwoman has left Gotham City for Villa Hermosa, Mexico, she finds herself hunted by the police. This is by Jerry. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Harley Quinn number 45, Harley takes a vacation from responsibilities and winds up on Apocalypse. This is by David. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Neutral. Secondary TBU books, the Batman 100-page comic giant, number one, a kidnapping with eerie panels to his own parents' deaths puts Batman in harm's way. This review by Ian. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Same. I haven't got to read it. I'm staying. I didn't read it. Main DC Universe books, Justice League number three, as the Justice League investigates the source wall, John Stewart becomes an ultraviolet lantern. This review by Corbin. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. And Scott Snyder is eagerly awaiting what we think of issue four. Neutral. I read it. Deathstroke number 33. Robin joins Deathstroke on a cross-country mission as the two struggle to come to grips with their relationship. So by Ian, he gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Thumbs up. Secondary DC Universe books, The Curse of Brimstone, number four, The Batman Who Laughs, and His Robins appear in a flashback. Injustice 2, number 29, which includes digital chapters number 57 through 58. The Injustice versions of Batman and Selina Kyle both appear in the issue. Teen Titans, 100-page comic giant number one in the original story found in the issue. Tim Drake actually appears as Robin, the leader of the team. The Unexpected number two, Robin the Toy Wonder, which if you don't know who that is, that's Robin One Million, appears briefly in the issue. And then moving over to July 11th, main TBU books, we already talked about Detective Comics. Red Hood and the Outlaws number 24, everything comes crashing down for the Outlaws as Jason questions Batman's code once more. This is by Jessica, she gave it four and a half out of five, I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Thumbs up. There's a definite belief out there that Jason Todd has killed the penguin. Oh, I'd be fine with that. <laughs> Even though at the at the end of the issue, it says that he's in critical condition. Yeah. So he's not actually dead, but yeah. I would say Pop-Up is dead now. I'm going to take a wild guess and say Jason just, you know, gave him a, you know, shot him, but shot him in a way where he knew exactly how he was shooting him mm-hmm. so that he wouldn't die, but it would be extremely painful and he'd have to be in recovery for a long time which I'm sure Batman would still be against, but I'm sure it's, I, I just feel like between this and what happened in Teen Titans, it feels like there's this new streak of supposed murders within the Bat family. Yeah. It feels like we're building towards another Bat family war, right? And then I guess Kate Kane would be on that same side too. So Kate Kane, or it'd be Batwoman, Red Hood, 
and Robin on one side. Maybe that is what they're building towards, and that's why we saw that strange Bat Family convention that we saw back in Detective Comics. All right, no secondary TBU books. Main DC Universe books, Titans number 23. The Titans bicker their way through the first mission as they are covered in brain tissue. This is by Corbin. He gave it one and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. You think Corbin gave it a one and a half out of five? Yes, he did. I'll go neutral, but Corbin, I feel you, man. Sometimes we all hate stuff that other people don't. Neutral and the art. Neutral and the art. If you don't understand why he gave it a one and a half out of five, definitely back it up. So if you were out there and you thought it was an amazing issue, definitely check it out because he even included images or screenshots of panels that were from the issues to point out some of the major dilemma major issues that we had with the issue. And they were all they were all completely valid, so check that out if you don't agree. Uh, Suicide Squad number 44, Deadshot is forced to make the ultimate sacrifice to save his daughter, but it may not be enough to defeat Cobra. This is you by Bob. He gave it four out of five. I'm gonna give this one a neutral. Neutral, but that's a step up for Suicide Squad, right? Yep, that it is. I gave it a neutral, but I want to give it a thumbs up because that storyline is over now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Fair. Now we're going into next month. I think we start the Aquaman crossover between Aquaman and Suicide Squad. So, yeah, definitely makes sense. Batman in that storyline was pure fan service. He did nothing. He, yes, he was. He was out of character. It was... Ugh. All right, secondary DC Universe books, The Flash, number 50, Robin and Nightwing both appear in the issue in brief cameos. Plastic Man, number two, Batwoman makes a brief cameo in Gotham City, as well as Man Bat appearing as the main villain. Wonder Woman, number 50, Batman and Batwing both appear in the issue very briefly. And then finally, uh, trades and hardcovers from the past two weeks. We have Batman by Grant Morrison, Omnibus, volume one hardcover. Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, deluxe edition hardcover. Batman Thrill Killer, New Edition Trade Paperback, Harley Quinn The Rebirth, Deluxe Edition Book 2 Hardcover, Justice League of America Volume 4, Surgical Strike Trade Paperback, Batman Death of Death and the Maidens, New Edition Trade Paperback, Ragman Trade Paperback, and Justice League of America The Silver Age Volume 4 Trade Paperback. So that is all of the books that have released over the past couple weeks. If you heard us give a thumbs up, thumbs down, or a neutral rating, every single one of those books has a review over on the site. And keep in mind that every single week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we have new reviews posting from throughout the DC Universe that we specifically mention here during Greater Gotham. So be sure to check that out. Before we get into our listener Q&As, I want to give a quick shout out to our Patreon supporters. Thank you, Robert, Ian, Donald, Real Deuces, and Anthony for supporting us at the $10 and $20 levels. And then everybody else who's supporting at the lower levels, thank you very much for supporting. Just a quick shout out again. I just want to remind anybody who was currently supporting us at a level prior to us changing all the tiers. If you haven't updated your tier since June, please go do so because you're missing out on rewards and we would greatly appreciate to give you access to those rewards. So be sure to update that. So if just in case you don't know, just a thought over the last couple weeks, we released the first episode of TBU raw, which we gave you a sneak peek at the end of the last episode. That's there. We'll have another episode of TBU raw in the next couple weeks, as well as the very first episode of TBU extra, which is us reviewing Catwoman number one. So, of course, if you go on to Patreon and you become a supporter, you'll get immediate access to those special episodes of TVU Raw and TVU Extra. You'll get immediate access to those and all the previous ones as well. So if you are looking for more content from us specifically, 
be sure to check that out. And obviously there's lots of other rewards that are not necessarily the three of us blabbing. So, and I think people should really check it out because I had some feedback on our Catwoman number one review and I heard it was the greatest comic review in history. So, yes. So with that, we're going to dive straight into our listener Q and A's. Most of these comments deal with Batman 50, so I appreciate I appreciate the fact that you guys uh, chimed in and, and talked about Batman 50 since we reviewed it this episode. So thank you very much for that. So we're going to dive straight into these comments because we've got time to cover all of them at this point. So we're going to start with Ian's. All of the hate on Walmart makes me sad. There's tons of people who like going to Walmart, and I hope they all get comics. I also managed to get myself some copies and really enjoyed them, though the stand is now sold out after a week at my Walmart. I am very excited that DC is putting some real talents in Bendis and King on these comics, similar to the increased level of talent they've been putting into their cereal box comics in the past two years. So, yeah, let's talk about Walmart for a second. So just so I know that there's a lot of people who have read them and there's a lot of people who haven't. I did go looking for one. They were sold out. And then I went to another one specifically for it, and they were also sold out. So they're clearly selling well. At least the collector market is buying them all if, if nobody else is. But they are selling them. I did see an article over at Comics Beat that talked about the fact that they are starting to restock them. So it's not just like they're sold out and they're never going to refill them. It just looks like they're only going to restock them every two weeks, which makes sense with the release schedule going forward after July because every two weeks new issues are going to come out because there's going to be I think Batman and Justice League and then Teen Titans and Superman or one I don't remember how they're combining it, but it's every two weeks two of the issues are coming out and then in two more weeks the other two will come out so they'll have a chance to restock them there was a big question about whether or not they would restock them I also remember that we talked about in the last episode how many issues were actually in the display and it turns out there was roughly about six of Batman and Justice League and only four of Teen Titans and Superman in the initial display that they set up. So if it did sell out, it doesn't require that many people. I mean, if you went in there and you bought all four, there's only you only need to have four people buy all four to have them all, you know, have two of them sell out. So it makes sense. But I mean, the numbers dictate that that basically means it's around... Knowing that they are restocking them now it increases the numbers, but the initial numbers was to believe believed to be between ten and twelve thousand copies of each that would be being sold. Knowing that they're restocking means it's probably more like eighteen thousand issues. But even then, I mean that's not nearly as much. But I guess at the five dollar price point and the fact that they're not having to create a whole lot of new content for it, it's a win win because I guess I mean obviously their intent. Let's be honest. Yes, it, the, the entire intent of this is a gateway drug to get people to go to a comic shop. Whether or not that'll actually happen is a whole other story. But, I mean, here's here's hoping that it does because obviously more people reading comics is better for the entire industry and us as comic readers because that means we can get more comics, better quality, and things like that. So here's hoping that it happens and it's not just... They're so far, you know, because there's such a limited amount of them and they're restocking them only, you know, twice per, you know, once per month outside of the initial release. 
let's just hope that people who are not just normal comic book readers are going and picking these things up because if they're not, it's not doing any good. So, well, so I'm going to tell you, Ian, buddy. First of all, thanks for writing that synopsis for me because I didn't feel like doing it this week. Second of all, I went to Walmart to find one of these, and I don't like Walmart, and I'm sorry if that offends you, but I was reminded why I hated going to Walmart. <laughs> I was too. Yeah, I went in there, and so Dustin, you said they're with the like the the baseball cards. Yeah, uh, like well, yeah, baseball cards, Pokemon cards, right? The collectible. Yeah. I've seen in some stores uh, pictures online where it's on the top shelf. I've seen other stores where it's on the bottom shelf. So I went and I couldn't find even a hole where the comic should be or the box or even a little tag that said comics $1 or $5, whatever. Right. So humiliating myself even further from the fact that I was in Walmart looking for these comic books. I asked a passing associate if he. <laughs> no, oh, I know where no, this they is going. Didn't. They didn't. <laughs> if, if they happen to know where, and for my own discredit, I was extremely specific about I was looking for a hundred-page giant that was exclusive to Walmart, like that meant anything to the man I was talking to. And he said it'd be with the books, and I said, "Well, I heard it was with the collectible stuff, the cards, or the collectible." And I was, I got. There was baseball cards, Pokemon cards. I said, "Hers on the collectible cards." And he goes, "Well, if you know where it is, why are you asking me?" And he turned around and walked off. <laughs> oh! And I said, "I'm going home. <laughs> if I want that pen, I'll buy it off eBay. And I'll pay fifteen bucks for it." So. Yeah, I mean, the thing is this. The thing is this. I the one thing to keep in mind is like I don't know how many locations are in the United States, but I do remember them saying in the initial press release it was only three thousand WalMarts. And I, I'm pretty sure that's that's not all of them. I think that's only about 75% of the Walmarts. I don't know why that is. I have no idea. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that because the display is being filled by a third party. Maybe it's just North America Walmarts? Is there a Canadian? Does Walmart do Canada? I'm sure they do, right? Well, yeah, they have they have Walmart in Canada. But I, I mean, like, so right now they currently have 6,000 stores. And how many um, got comics? They have 5,000 stores in in the country and 6,000 got comics 3,000 3,000 got comics so yeah well yeah 60% 60% of the stores got the comics that could be why it wasn't in that spot too and I've heard from other people saying that they it's not there either the one of the stores I went to had a had an empty spot on the shelf didn't have a tag um, but I, I figured that's where it was supposed to be and then the other store had the display but the display was empty so well Sorry, Ian. My attempt to go to Walmart. Walmart actually could have used this opportunity from D.C. to get a customer back because I live in the middle of nowhere and we have a Walmart, not a whole lot else without me going to the city, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is 23 minutes away. I, mean, I don't live in, on an island, but and I drive through it every day to go to work, so it's not like I'm never there. But like I have a Walmart here that I avoid like the plague. Um, I will straight go to like CVS and buy stuff before I go to Walmart. Anyway, it's not important. So they had an opportunity to earn me back as a customer, and I just went there and went, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was right. So anyway, sorry, we can, we can move on. So Ian's next comment talks about the first victim. I, I suppose I need to give Everyone Loves the Drake a better listen. I thought he said that it was left to interpretation until such a time that he reveals it because he might want to use them for more stories, and once the identity is revealed, it kind of spoils it. And I thought so, too. So I guess... But I listened, yeah, so, I listened to it while I was mowing the lawn, so I was like, well, maybe I missed something. 
Yeah, because I thought that's what was said too. And I, I, I vaguely remember him saying something about that in another interview that I read. And I, I figured, so first victim identity is uh, has not been revealed, but it is left out there because it could be a story point. So we talked about that last episode. That's, that, that's the answer. All right, so Batman number 49. I appreciate that they've pulled back on that really obnoxious bad lettering for Joker they created for the Snyder run. It's still distinctive, but not hard to read or stupid looking. I love the theological notes. As a big fan of St. Augustine's theology, King did a pretty good job of working it in. So Batman 49, I don't have a lot to say on 49 just because I kind of want to put 49 and 50 in in my rearview mirror. The lettering, though, I, I wonder if... I, I like the. I also agree that the lettering is better, but I wonder if the lettering is different because this is not Snyder's Joker. Because remember, there's three Jokers out there. Mm-hmm. Thanks for bringing that up. Sorry, I know, I know. <laughs> Batman number fifty. I'm really curious about whether Dustin, Ed, and Steph have read Omega Man or Vision because the way those books are set up are a lot like the way Batman is set up, but it's stretched out by a factor of ten. Number 50 is basically the same as issue number 6 and 7 in those series, which are both pretty catastrophic events in a series full of catastrophic events. So while I'm disappointed, I think it's the easy way out of the problem of the bat marriage. I think it's clear that we're at the middle, not the end. Joker clearly knows because Bane told him, and Bane knows because Holly told him. Also, sadly for Steph, Skeet is evil. I like evil characters. I don't care that Skeet is evil. That's the one that makes the most sense because all you got to do is reprogram him or maybe he was evil all along, which is fine. <laughs> okay. There. Okay. So I can say I, I have not read Vision. I've read some of Omega Men, but I have not read the majority of it. Vision Vision is a Marvel book. It's, it's a Marvel the guy book. With, the, with the stone in his head. Oh, yeah. I don't read that stuff. I don't read that stuff either, but I know enough about Tom King to know that he wrote that and that was the last series he wrote right before he came over to DC to work on Grayson. I think he was actually still working on Vision when he started Grayson, and then he wrapped up and then, you know, came to DC full-time, and then that's when Omega Men started. Well, I think Grayson was good, especially started very well, and Omega Men is fantastic. Like, it is, that 12 issue, I guess it's a maxi-series, limited series, is one of the best, I don't want to say non-Batman, because I'm such a Batman junkie, but it's one of the best comic books I've probably read in five years. It's in the top 10. It's really good. Well, you remember, Dustin, when Tom King was announced on Batman, I was hyped up because of Omega Man. Remember? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Man, Omega Man is awesome. This guy's going to be great. So, like, yeah, I think he's and, – and I get – Ian, I get what you're saying, man. I do. Like, halfway point. This very well could be, but, man, this is it, – But it's a long, long time. I mean, like, the thing is, like, here's the thing. I'm not – I'm like I said earlier – like I said earlier when it was – when we were talking about number 50, it's not so much about the fact that – that like I get the midway point, I understand it. I, I that's why I, I gave it the rating I did. It's not that I don't get that. It's more of the idea of like we've been doing this for two years now, and we're gonna have to wait another two years, four years. And I've said this before because Scott Snyder did some of this too, and I said you know some of this stuff you cannot hold off for as long as you are. You cannot have issues that are 12... You can't have 12-issue arcs that last a year. It just doesn't work in today's world because there's so much stuff that... Like, you can do that, but it has to... You have to read it better. It reads way better in collected form. And we've said this about Scott Snyder. His stuff, when you read it in trade, 
or hardcover or however you read it when it gets collected, it reads way, way better than it does if you read the individual issues. And the problem is, this is like Scott Snyder on, on steroids because it's like the, there's twice as many issues per month. So it's there's twice as much happening per month, but it's just as long as, as Scott Snyder. So it's like... Uh, it's not at all that I that I don't get that this is the midway point. It's just that this is a really long time and a long amount or a huge amount of content. If you just if you took all of the issues and you spaced it out to be a monthly issue, we're talking about eight years worth of comics by the time this is done. I'm sorry, but even condensed into the four years that it is, that's way too long. Way too long. It's it's a hundred issues. And then the worst part is we're getting all these random issues sprinkled in that have nothing to do well, with sometimes it. Sometimes the random issues or are they, the they're supposed better issues, though. <laughs> well, no, some of them. I mean, like the the booster gold yeah, stuff, not yeah. good. And that yeah. has, I mean, other than I guess Skeets having that appearance in that booster gold story, so, so they could somehow tie it to Bane. I mean, I, I don't understand why. I mean, like obviously he's going to try to figure out a way to explain it, or at least explain it in an interview after it's all done but i don't think it's uh, they did mention it in the wedding issue though i mean just talking about that one issue or story in particular i mean that was one of her reasons for breaking up the wedding was oh yeah but, i know but, it's just yeah it doesn't mean i wanted that yeah. story there <laughs> but i'm sorry like i'm okay I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump up on this high horse and then get right back off of him okay like if you like if you were bound and determined to get married and your best friend just said, man, you know, I think you're going to, you're going to make him happy. Why would you stop get married because of that? Yeah. Like yeah. I got married. If I was getting ready to walk down the aisle and Corey, who was my best man said, Hey, you know, I had a, I don't know if this marriage is going to work out. I'm like, you telling me now, <laughs> right? Like, like I wouldn't be like, well, you know, that's a good, no matter what the issue was, even if it's like, you know, I just, I think this is, I'd be like, damn, you know, you're right. I'm not going to get married. Like it's the day yeah. off. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, regardless of like, I'm like sorry, some... you, 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 you have been thinking about this since you got engaged. There's a time and a place to like have your doubts. And most people who have doubts do not just suddenly have doubts on the day of they have doubts leading up to it. And then it's just the, like the day of cements the fact that, Hey, this, this could be forever. Maybe this isn't a good idea. That's my thoughts. I mean, like it really just comes down to like, there's no reason this would just like happen now. And I understand like there's people who've said, well, the Joker situation, if that was something that actually was supposed to happen six months prior, well, that might make a little bit more sense because that puts some more doubts in her head. And, you know, there's other doubts with, you know, the booster gold thing that also happened at a later date. But the problem is all that stuff happened simul like almost simultaneously in publication format. And without knowing that it was a, a certain amount of time had passed, you would have no idea that that stuff had been lingering in her head for six months. Totally agree. Ugh. Anyway, moving on. Plug for my Stephanie Brown's new two-volume trade collection. It's awesome and everyone should buy it. Smiley face. I really like the stable of artists DC had in the early 2000s. The Dixon, Rucka, and Brubaker artists Rick Burchett, Trevor McCarthy, Scott McDaniel, Sean Martinborough, Steve Lieber. A lot of folk have said that they're too cartoony, but I think they have a bit of Darwin Cook clear lines and use clean space and appealing exaggeration while still tackling serious and adult stories. And I could definitely agree. I, I don't know that I would 
group Trevor McCarthy in with that, but I can see a lot of his earlier work definitely is like that. But Scott McDaniel and Rick Burchett, very, very cartoony to a degree. They very, they're very cartoony to a degree, but I still think it worked. I mean, like, it didn't, I don't think their art in any way detracted from the story or the seriousness of a story. I, I feel like there are certain artists that I would, if I was going to have a serious story, I, I, that I would choose, you know, specific artists. I don't know that I'd want to choose them, but I don't really think at the time it was really detracting. I think the focus now is to try to get an artist that fits the tone of whatever the story is. I don't know that that was necessarily the case back then. I mean, maybe it was, but I don't feel like those artists really fit some of the tone that they were, you know, the, some of the stories, because the serious stuff probably doesn't really need that cartoony edge, even if it is just a slight edge. Um, but I still feel like it worked perfectly. And as far as your comment about they have a bit of Darwin Cook, hey, if you're going to imitate, imitate the best, right? That's true. Like, yeah. I mean, that guy's, guy was the best. There's something, I mean, I, I don't know from comics so much, but from anime, there is, because I watch way too much anime, but there is something to be said about a serious subject matter being presented in a cartoony way. It's almost like there's a contradiction that makes the cartoony more serious. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I agree. I definitely agree with that. So. All right, so real quick, before we're going to move on, but I, I'm just going to just say this right here. So uh, in all caps, <laughs> Ian had to say, listening to Dustin try to talk about Spider-Man is so painful. No, where's Stella? Well, Stella, I, I think she's back from her trip. She was in Africa uh, for, I think, a month, and she is back, and now she's got a bunch of other stuff that she's taking care of over the next couple weeks and slash months, but... Um, yeah, I, I, I will say that I don't enjoy talking about Spider-Man because I half the time don't know what I'm talking about because I don't pay attention to it, but I can see why he's asking for Stella because Stella would be able to talk about it with no problem. I can't see where you talking about Spider-Man was more, was worse than me talking about Spider-Man though. In fairness. Well, that's true, but I think it's more of the fact that for years and years and years, I said no Marvel on this podcast. And you just brought a vision and I was like, is that an indie comic? Like, yeah, you know, so it's the problem. You've been around. You, you've been around the comic industry for a certain amount of time, and you were, you, you know, I, I edit all the news on the site and things like that. I just absorb information that you know, like that Marvel Unlimited thing. I didn't. I knew about it. Didn't really know how much it cost or what was included. Didn't feel the necessity to go search to find out, but I knew it existed. It's because just by osmosis, I absorb some of this random, you know, Marvel stuff that just happens to come across my inbox. So, yeah. All right. So moving on. I think one of the problems with the your two negative complaints is that people like listening to people being enthusiastic about stuff. So maybe start a segment of the podcast where you all share a comic or a panel or something in Batman comics that you enjoyed. I think that it would be a good thing to look forward to, something to enthuse about while as pointing out flaws. So don't stop being critical and honest, but also take some time to positively highlight some stuff, big or small. So it's funny because this is... The, I say this knowing that you know I, I promised this at the beginning or at the end of episode 250. That is actually part of our intent with Monkey Watch. We just unfortunately have not been able to get to Monkey Watch. We actually, hopefully this episode we get to it. I, I, I foresee us being able to get to it. And we have something light and positive to talk about that is, it's not even comic related. It's just, we, we don't mind talking about other things. I mean, let's be honest. I'm pretty enthusiastic when I talk about monkeys in general. 
I, I know that I'm the only one out there who wants to hear me talk about monkeys, but I'm still enthusiastic, which. Well, so, yeah. and also like this episode is a bad example of a day you're looking for me to be positive. Right. But I love the detective issue we talked about. You know, I just didn't like the other one. Two out of three. One out of two ain't bad. And I love Catwoman on the Patreon episode. So, Spoilers. Best comic review ever. I don't know if I told you guys that, but you should go listen to it. All right. So our next comment comes from Brentley via email. Time for a change. Time for a change. How disappointing it is that this is where we got. 50 issues that have led to nothing. Tons of buildup that led to nothing. The story started with that. Issue 25. King's stories have led to nothing. What development have we had with Batman other than every issue having two characters doing and saying the same thing in side-by-side panels? No character development and stories that have no payoff for the readers whatsoever. Personally, I'm done. I will continue to read Batman because I love Batman. He's my favorite hero by leaps and bounds. But it's sad that Batman's main title is the least favorite book I read every week. It's starting to feel like homework. I don't know why, but I was expecting something great from issue 50. I should have known better. I never thought I would enjoy reading Superman over Batman every week, which Man of Steel has been great. Really looking forward to Superman number one. It's just so disappointing that that's all I can say. It also angers me. I hope we don't have to put up with this until number 100. King is probably a great writer, but not for Batman. Agree. But I don't need to say any more about it. I'm not going to add too much to this. I just have to say this. You know, the thing is, I feel like he was a little just too ambitious with this idea of 100 issues. I completely understand his desire to be on the book. And and I know, and I say this, and this is, of course, I'm bringing up another Marvel thing, but I know that there was a situation a couple years ago, there was a situation a couple years ago where somebody made a big deal about, I think, Dan Slott doing Spider-Man for 100 issues. Maybe it wasn't a couple years ago. I don't know exactly when it was, but they made a big deal. And then at around the same time, uh, Scott Snyder had been on the book for like five years or something like that. And and there there was a big deal that was made about that. And the thing is, like, I feel like the hundred issue thing is was was only because it would be done within four years. But I agree to the the, the point of maybe not only is it is it probably too long longer than it needs to be. And I can tell you this, knowing what's coming up in Batman number fifty one, it's not going to you know the the immediate necessity to try to get somewhere is not going to happen right away. It's going to continue to be that slow burn for a while. And I I can't remember specifically, but I want to say that we're not even going to get to the Bane stuff for like another 15 issues. Oh, and it's going to, you are and, joking. And I say that, I don't know that for sure. I want to say that either I read it from the Word Balloon podcast or I read it somewhere else that it's going to be at least a little bit of time that passes before we get to issues? that. Yeah, and, and the thing is like, the the worst part about this is I just keep thinking to myself how the the focus has been solely put on Batman and how Batman is the best book and Batman's the book and Detective Comics we've absolutely loved like there's even been, the villains since Tiny have all been yes even the villains yeah I mean like the the stuff that, the the we've loved Detective Comics and clearly there is a the, each one of these books is geared towards a completely different audience because that's just what it comes down to I mean like. You could say the same thing about Detective Comics and Batman during the New 52, but in reality, this is probably like night and day in comparison because Tom King is is writing his story. He's using the characters that he wants to use. He's not there's no continuity except for his whatever he's doing. It's just his continuity. There's very little tie-in with anything else that's going on, and it really feels like everybody else is just like, "You know what, buddy? 
you're on a path of destruction and we ain't going on it with you because nobody else seems to be mentioning what's going on in his books either, which we've brought up and we've said, how weird is it that the wedding is happening and nobody else is bringing it up? And there, and I will say, yes, there has been a rare, a couple of occasions here and there of it being mentioned, but like the main bat books aren't talking about it. They had to have preludes just to involve the other characters because all the other characters are igno- all the other series with the other characters are ignoring it. So, yeah, because I can see this. Oh, so you're going to act like Batman and Catwoman to get married? It's going to take a hundred issues. I got something else. Yeah. All right. Next comment comes from Billy. Great podcast as usual, everyone. Just a couple of thoughts. Detective Comics seems to be retreading the premise of death of the family with this new karma character, although I don't see it as being as solid or fitting as the Joker was in Snyder's arc. Love that story. Yes, so I kind of brought this up earlier when we were talking about Detective Comics. As Steph said, she said that the insanity is definitely missing there. And I agree. It'll be really curious to see, I mean, because now that, the like I said earlier, the reveal that he has this helmet that can he can read thoughts... He knows full well that it, it doesn't have to be someone that we're that like it's not going to be like Tommy Elliot, who's, you know, you know, like during Hush, where he was knew all these secrets and knew which. Dude. Yeah, it's just gonna, it could just be somebody and it, it really won't matter who it is. So because of that, it's fine. But I mean, like, it's definitely pointing to the same aspects where Joker was all about the family makes you weaker and Karma's the sidekicks are making you weaker. So it's, there are definite parallels and it'll be interesting to see how it plays off where it doesn't just come off as a retread of death of the family. So regarding the last panel of number 50, I don't have a problem with King trying to make Bane the big baddie for his time on the title, the way Snyder used the Joker during his, but the plan and Bane's group of conspirators doesn't make sense, even from the metaphorical breaking the bat sense. Thomas Wayne told Bruce to give up being Batman, but I can't believe that he would go so far as to team up with a clear villain to stop Bruce from marrying Selina, an actual chance to be happier given his life, which is all Thomas wanted. And not getting married ensures Bruce will remain Batman in my mind. Skeets is definitely confusing, and I wasn't aware if in the past Booster Gold arc that he had it out for Bruce, but please let me know if I missed something. I don't think he had it out, but Skeets has been corrupted before in in past stories that's entirely possible i didn't really look at the skeets thing and try to overthink that one the thomas wayne and the gotham girl ones are the ones that i just don't understand i mean i guess some people have explained well maybe gotham girl is is there because she somehow got her powers because of bane and i was like well that's entirely possible but man what a giant long play how, how do we know 100 percent that that's thomas wayne that's true and and that's been brought up too i mean the idea that it's not Thomas Wayne. It could be somebody else in that picture, but it doesn't make any sense in the in the idea of when Thomas Wayne appeared in the story that Tom King wrote because the Thomas Wayne that was there that talked to Bruce was from the Flashpoint timeline. Now, the only explanation is, oh, it's not Thomas Wayne. It's, you know, reverse Flash, and he, like, did something to make himself or he disguised himself as Thomas Wayne so that he could mess with Bruce Wayne's mind because he's in cahoots with Bane. I mean, like they, it could be explained like that, but is it ever actually going to get explained? But the only reason you put a guy, sorry, man, I'm just in a terrible mood about this comic this week. The only reason you put a guy in a flashpoint Batman suit is if you're trying to make me believe it's Thomas Wayne yeah. for flashpoint. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I'm saying like, 
everyone else here is from a previous story that King wrote, and there wasn't a fake Batman or an alternate, alternate Flashpoint Batman. It's I think more that deliberate that, deception. If it's yes, right. exactly. And I feel like that panel included people that shouldn't have been there. Like it would have made more sense to reveal that there are certain characters involved in in this in this huge plot over the course of the story rather than just having them all in that room. Like, having Bane there, okay, fine. Having Riddler and Joker, okay, fine. Obviously, Holly is kind of like the linchpin to make this all, like, fall into place. But who's to say that... How how did Bane know that that was going to happen? That's my thing. Like, Mm -hmm. everything is so, like... it, It hinges on, like, the smallest details. And the thing is, like, if the details don't play out the way... Bane is somehow anticipating them all to plan out, which, let's be honest, somehow he's planned it out perfectly because everything's happened exactly the way he thought it would. It's almost as if he's foreseen the future or, like, knows how to, you know, change things based off of the future. I don't know, but it's just one of those things where... <sighs> Sorry, though. Yeah, I apologize, too. Let, 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 there's more to his comment about Batman 50, so let's finish that up. There seems to be so much negativity around the recent Batman number 50 that a vast majority want him off the title, especially hearing there will be 50 more issues before payoff. Too long in my mind. Any chance of that? I know you have brought up in the past ways for readers to communicate to DC. I would think sales is the only way to truly reach them. So what would you think if the sales numbers that could make DC see this wedding debacle as a time for a review of King's Run or creator change altogether? Obviously, the title is going to sell regardless, but is there a critical point in your mind that will turn heads? I'd love to know what sort of drop-off sales-wise, if any, there is between, like, issues number 48 to 42. I do love the artwork by Janine as a note of positivity towards King's Run. Um, As always, keep up the great work. Well, here's the thing. I'll say this. I can tell you full heartedly that there is no way he gets kicked off the book. No way. I guarantee you he's going to 100 no matter what. And the whole reason behind this is because Dan DiDio has said in interviews that this was the way the story was pitched. They were all in from the beginning when he pitched it. So there is no way that they're going to kick him off the book. They're like the book could drop and I would be and I will look at the sales numbers between issue 50 and let's say like 52 or even 51 because there's a degree of it's probably more like 50 to 52 because those are in two different months so sales could drop between month to month 51 is probably not gonna be that big of a drop but i could see it being a drop just because it's not the anniversary issue too but like more on par of like where 49 was to where 51 will be that'll be more interesting to see and i will look at that when it when they post up numbers and we'll, we'll talk about that, I guess it'll be like in a month that the, those numbers will post. But when those happen, we'll definitely talk about it. Because I do feel like there is going to be a drop between like the normal constant of about like 92K, which was what like it was before the wedding. And obviously the wedding issue is going to have a, a lot more sales because of all those extra variant covers that the individual shops were ordering and stuff. 50 is not a good way to look at, but like 51, 51, 52, those would be a good point of resource to see whether or not, you know, see how big the sales have actually dropped. Because I've heard from a lot of people saying that they're not going to do it. And I definitely agree. The best way for people to communicate that they're not happy with something is to stop buying it. But the problem is that 
I don't see a ton. I mean, like there, it's entirely possible there are some people who will stop reading it, but I don't see those numbers being too big. I mean, like problem is it, it comes down to exactly what was said in the last email about from Brent or from the last uh, comment from Brentley. I mean, like you're going to continue to read Batman because you love Batman. It might not be a book that you really are enjoying, but you're still read it, and that's part of the problem when it comes to certain things like this. Is like you might not have you might not enjoy what's going on but people still read it it doesn't matter if it's really good or really bad because we've had fill-in issues not during king's run but fill-in issues in the past on batman or pre-flashpoint that were really really bad but they still sell well because it is batman and that's that's part of the thing and part of the reason why sales numbers are really horrible way to gauge readers interest and things like that um I will say that um, the one way that a lot of people, this is one thing. So you're listening to this and it's at at the very earliest Friday, July uh, 20th. And while you're, while you're uh, listening to this, there's on Saturday, I believe a Saturday night at San Diego Comic-Con, there is a Tom King spotlight panel and it's not hosted by DC. It's actually hosted by the the actual San Diego Comic-Con convention. And the premise of the panel is that he's going to talk about all of his projects, Vision, Omega Men, uh, Mr. Miracle, Batman, Grayson. He's going to talk about all these projects. But I'm sure because it's a spotlight panel for one person that there's going to be a good chunk of time that they're going to have for questions and answers. And I can't wait to read the transcripts from what actually occurs during these questions and answers because I feel like the vast majority of people who are going to be asking questions is about why Batman 50 played out the way it did. And, like, I kind of feel bad for him because I don't know that he intended this thing to become what it was because a lot of the, the, the fault lies on DC, but still, his story is taking as long as it is, so he still deserves some of the fault, too. But the problem is that, like, I think the majority of fans who are going to go out of their way to go to a spotlight panel for Tom King are probably going to be pretty pissed and be, like, voicing their their dis, their distaste for what has occurred. I don't think that'll happen because I think we're in the minority. I do. I I mean, look at like IGN called it one of the greatest comics of all time. But see, the thing is, I feel like they're calling it that not because uh, like they're looking at it from if you look at the issue as a singular story and not with the buildup, it's not a bad issue. It's not a bad issue at all. I mean, like. I don't like the pin. I I don't like the pinups, and I don't like the way everything, you know, the outcome of everything. But I don't think the issue is bad. I mean, like I didn't give it a negative rating because I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's the greatest issue of all time because I just don't see that. But, but I, I think it's bad. I think the problem is that like there's two ways to look at this. There's the the way that you that we're looking at it, which is we're influenced by the entirety of everything going on. And then there's other people who like they pick up one issue because, well, this is a special issue and I got to read this. And then they read it and they're like, wow, this is great. And I feel like that's the difference. I would like to see these people who are giving like perfect ratings, whether or not they're reviewing the 50 issues prior to this issue, too. Because if they're not and they're just reading this, that's why they're probably thinking that. I will say this, though, and, and, and I want to get this out here for anyone who. And this is going to sound like really diametrical opposed to what I've said about this issue of Batman number 50. I don't want Tom King fired from the book. I don't want him removed from the comic. I want him to finish the story and make me look back on it and think that I was an idiot because I want Batman to be good. 
period. Okay. I We haven't ever on this podcast that I'm aware of, at least, ever called out for someone to be fired, point blank. Uh, at least not my time on the podcast. I will not publicly call for another human being's job on a comic book podcast. If this is a political podcast, we can have a whole other discussion, right? But this is a comic book podcast. And at the end of the day, this is how Tom King makes his living. If DC makes a change, I'll read the new writer too. I would never, I don't, I don't believe in calling for the firing of somebody. I don't believe it's appropriate. We have to remember this is how a man makes his living and supports his family, right? I don't call, I will never call for the guy to be fired. I will say this I want you to make me eat my words. I want you to finish this thing off so well that I look back on it and go, well, I was a real idiot for not liking that. And I think it's a classic story. You know what I'm saying? Like, I definitely agree. Yeah. I don't. I don't want the guy fired. I want you to. I want you to make me love it. I want you to be better. I want you to finish strong. You know what I mean? Like, I don't hate you. He seems like a relative. Seems like a nice guy, and I've loved some of his past work. Just finish strong. But I don't. I just. It's a personal thing with me. And I know Dustin. I think you kind of feel the same way. I don't believe in calling for someone's job. Yeah, and I. I definitely agree. I'm not calling for his job. I actually. I want to. I want to see how this all plays out. I really do. I mean, if anything, I want to see his ending to really see if it all makes sense. I mean, like, obviously I have my doubts about how we're going to get to that ending and the avenues that we're going to get that way. But, and obviously I could disagree with the end all outcome too, but ultimately like, I don't want him off the book because at this point We've read it as far as we have. I want to get to the oh, end. Oh, I'd be more mad if we didn't finish it. Yeah, because at that point, then it'd be like, well, what was, what, the was the, what was the point of getting where we were? Plus, I think that there's a legitimate thing in the world where it is totally cool for us to disagree. Steph, you liked it much more than we did, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's it's okay in the world to just disagree with someone, not personally hate them, not have it out for them, not call them a terrible person. I just didn't like it. That's cool. I mean, I, I don't, it's cool if you disagree with me. I don't think you're a terrible person if you disagree with me. And I don't think Tam, Tam King's a bad guy for writing it. You know, like it's cool to have different issues on it. It's fine. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I'm cool with it. Okay. So that is all of our listener questions. If you have a question you'd like us to answer or talk about or a discussion point you'd like us to talk about on the next episode, Send your comments to either our email at tbu at net. You can leave us them on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. I port those all over to the normal comments section. Or obviously the comments section on the website is the best place. But anywhere you leave us a comment, we will get them and we will be talking about them on the next episode. So with that, we're going to finally get to Monkey Watch. <laughs> So if you listen to the episode 250 or you know about Monkey Watch in the past, previously Monkey Watch in the past was me talking about monkeys appearing. As advertised. (laughs) Yes, it was. But it was a very off the wall conversation and it was designed to tick Stella off because she insisted that I could not deviate from the normal format. So the intent don't 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 take that wrong. She didn't insist that she didn't want him to deviate. (laughs) She insisted that he was incapable of deviating. And when I did, it was such a ridiculous deviation that I think that's what upset her. But it only lasted two times. But when episode 250, we told you that we were going to bring back Monkey Watch. And the intent with Monkey Watch going forward is not just to talk about monkeys or to talk about monkeys at all. I mean, like, I can't promise that I'm never going to talk about monkeys again. But the intent going forward with Monkey Watch is to talk about something that is not necessarily comic related, not necessarily anything related to Batman. It could be something related to 
you know, a movie that recently came out. It could be related to a TV show that we're all watching that we want to discuss or a big event in pop culture that has occurred or, you know, it could be it could basically be anything. So the idea is hopefully we can do this every episode. Obviously, the last couple episodes we had a we had a backlog of comments that I really wanted to get to. So we didn't get to them. But this time around, we've got time. So we're going to talk about it. Monkey Watch this month or this episode is going to be we're going to talk about some of our favorite vacations. I know a lot of you have been listening to me blab on and on for over 10 years now. And Steph has been here for a short amount of time. And Ed's been here for about almost five years now. So the thing is, like, we've all of us have been around, but there's not a whole lot that you necessarily know about us individually. So occasionally we're going to talk about some, you know, some things about our personal lives. And in this regard, because it's summer and some people take vacations, I don't like taking vacations in the summer because I hate the heat. But uh, a, a lot of people take vacations in the summer. So we're going to talk about our favorite vacations from our entire lives. So we're going to start off with Steph. Tell us what your favorite vacation was. Probably toss up between two. I went to New York with my dad. I went. We went all along the East Coast. Our car rental agency didn't have our car, so we ended up in a Mustang driving all down the East Coast. My dad kept taking every exit just so he could get back up to speed getting back on the freeway. And we saw Boston and New York and Massachusetts. I got to see the two towers, uh, the Twin Towers, about a month before the September 11th attack. So that was that was pretty so there's a cool picture of me in front of them so that was that was good that I got that but yeah I just had a good time with my dad I got to experience New York I saw a Broadway show made him go to it oh what did you see Phantom of the Opera ah classic and it was so good that when the movie came out I was like this sucks (laughs) the show was so much better (laughs) yeah actually if you don't know if you've never been and the chandelier crashes they actually have a chandelier go above the heads of the audience and it literally like hits the stage and crashes on the stage And then second was I grew up in Austria. I grew up in in Europe and I moved to the States when I was 12. And so a couple of times uh, before high school and then after high school, I went back and visited for the summer. And we just hang out and we're teenagers with unlimited time going to lakes and swimming pools and hanging out for the summer and doing European visiting things. So that was really cool, too. Those were my two. What about you, Dustin? So I haven't gone on a ton of vacations in the course of my life, mostly because when I was young, I went on very few vacations just because we didn't have a lot of money. But one thing I did do when I was a kid was I was part of a program called People to People, which was like a student ambassador program. And it's not like the typical like exchange student. It's more like you come up with a big chunk of money and then you get to go somewhere. And it's kind of like an exchange student program, but you're not in one place you go and visit a bunch of different places and I went to Australia for almost four weeks it was like three and a half weeks I was in Australia and I traveled basically from the top of the well the east coast you you start at the top and you go to the bottom to Sydney and I went down the entire gold coast of Australia swam in the Great Barrier Reef I mean, it was in, we went to the Outback. It was an amazing trip. And honestly, like my parent, I had to do a lot of fundraising in order to go. And honestly, probably, I probably am the way I am and am able to be as competent with like the knowledge of raising money and things like that, just because that was something that I had to do. Like I wanted to go on this trip, but the only way it was possible was if I raised the money myself. My parents could not afford to send me to something like that so there was no way I could go unless I did and I did all kinds of crazy fundraising things and I think that helped instill like 
you know, an independence very early because I did this between seventh and eighth grade during the summer. I had to raise uh, about five thousand dollars, and yeah, it was it was a lot of cash, and and, and five thousand included like the trip itself. Obviously, a good chunk of the trip is obviously the airfare. Airfare is always the most expensive, but the other part of the trip was like I had to get a suitcase. I had to buy a bunch of stuff that like I didn't normally have because I was going somewhere else like you had to get the converters for you know you know for the walls and things like that so that trip stands out as like probably the best trip I ever took and I know that when I say that my mom appreciates it because she helped me raise the money not like she raised you know she gave me the money but she helped really you know do that and the thing is like when it, there, there's a very distinct difference between myself and my sister and my sister, I don't think it has that financial know-how or desire to like be mindful about finances. And I think a lot of that came from me having to do that for that trip. So there's that trip. And then the other thing is, uh, so the other trips, the, it's kind of like just a lump category. So two years ago in 2016, I went to Disney world for the first time with my son who at the time was five years old and it was it was the first time I went to Disney World. I went to Disneyland once when I was a kid as like a as like a just a thing. But Disney World was like a whole nother experience. And I've always liked Disney stuff. And I'm, I'm saying that and I'm not including like <clears throat> Marvel, but because that's not really Disney, but like classic Disney cartoons. I've always really loved them when I was a kid. I loved yeah, like Bambi, Pinocchio, you know, 101 Dalmatians, like all those movies. I've always really appreciated those movies. I love the classicness of the animation and how basically a company such as Walt Disney started off as, you know, making cartoons, moved to films. Then he had this idea for a theme park and it has become such a humongous giant corporation in such a more such in such a short amount of time. And like basically everything that they do is all about entertainment. It's entertainment in every way you can imagine theme parks, movies, television, like everything that they do is entertainment based. And the thing is like, there's plenty of corporations out there that are giant corporations, but they sell things that people need like food or hygiene products and things like that, or cleaning products that are very, you know, that people need to have, but to sell something like entertainment and it to become as big as it has in less than really like 90 years is, is, is a feat beyond belief. So going to Walt Disney World, experiencing that, I like I'm going, I went to Disney World again this year earlier. I went in April with, and I took my son who's now seven and my daughter who was three years old. And then we came back, absolutely loved it again. And now my wife and I are going to go back in October just by ourselves because I think experiencing it just as without the kids will be a, a unique experience. But like going to Disney World is like where I want to go. And like I've trying to talk my wife into going to like Tokyo Disney next year because I want to go to, you know, like the different parks. And yeah, I mean, like I wish there was something like that for DC and Warner Brothers. I mean, I know that there's Warner Brothers World and there's the new one open in Abu Dhabi. I know my wife will never go to the Middle East in any way, shape, or form. So, I mean, I would go if they were to offer me a free plane ticket so that I wouldn't have to pay. And, yeah, I mean, I would I would, I would, would go hands down, but I can't spend, you know, a couple thousand dollars to go to Abu Dhabi for, you know, a couple days. 
I have gone to Six Flags, but I just, it's not the same. Like when he, like just comparing it, like, here's the thing. When I was a kid, I went to Disneyland for like, I went there one day. We were, my mom was visiting a friend. We were staying with my mom's friend in California. We got a free ticket to go to Disneyland for one day. And I was great. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun, but I didn't, I was too young to really like take in everything that there is when you go to a Disney park, like how everything is so themed and how everything is so well taken care of and things like that. And like when you compare, when you go to Six Flags and trust me, I have a Six Flags that's not even like two hours away from my house. And as a kid, we went every summer because we would get a free ticket through like the reading program from the school. And you know, going to Six Flags, it was great. There was rides, it was fun. But like going to a Disney park and like comparing like the two parks together, it's like night and day. It really Why is. Why does it know if you were like all into the thrill rides or something? Oh, like no, that? no. I like, I love thrill rides. I mean, like, honestly, my favorite ride at Disney Expedition Everest, I rode it 10 times with my son this past trip. But it's not just about the thrill rides. Like, I have no problem doing the dark rides. Like, one of my favorite rides at uh, Magic Kingdom is Jungle Cruise which is you literally just sit in a boat and listen to corny jokes from the person who's supposedly driving the boat. So, okay. Yeah. Little known facts. There you go. All right. So Ed, let's hear yours. There's not even any monkeys involved. I thought for sure the trip would have a monkey in it. It could tow the whole thing up. Someone could argue that my, my favorite vacation would be the one I haven't taken yet. I travel a lot or much as I can. Traveling is a big deal for me and my wife and my family. Um, we have a budget, a uh, monthly budget of traveling so much that I am literally in the middle of rehabbing a camper so we can go more more hiking stuff. My favorite city in the world is probably New Orleans, but it's probably not my favorite vacation, although I do love New Orleans. Probably my favorite vacation was my Fifth wedding anniversary, me and my wife flew to Las Vegas where we had got married five years before that because that was our fifth wedding anniversary. Good call. Good call. Yeah, good call. <laughs> so we flew out to Vegas, uh, stayed in Vegas for a couple of nights, went out to Zion Canyon and Bryce Canyon and Arches and uh, the Red Rocks and hiked for two or three days, then came back, went to Cirque du Soleil to the Beatles show. I'm a huge Beatles fan. Stayed in Vegas for another night, then came home. That's probably my favorite vacation just because I got to do... Like I'm a man of two two different things. Like I absolutely love just going out in nature and Smoky Mountains. We've hiked Rocky Mountains. We've hiked all over the place and going somewhere I've never been before and getting totally lost in nature. I absolutely love it. Uh, I also like sitting at a blackjack table and s- staying in a suite in a nice hotel. So I'm I like it a little. I like kind of on both sides of the coin, you know. But I would say that the trip design was probably my favorite. Outside of that, you know. Any trip to New Orleans, there is no greater city in the world to me. Now, I, I agree that it is totally like you either love New Orleans or you hate New Orleans. Dustin, you would hate New Orleans. I do. And I've been there. It is dirty. It is downtrodden. And I love the place. They have great food. I'll give them that. I love the food. Amazing. The, the attitude of the city is just I spent a week in New Orleans when I was younger, and the food was, no matter where I went, the food was amazing. But yes, I absolutely despise dirtiness, and that place is is dirty. I went to the Ohio State University. Most people don't know that about me. But I almost went to Tulane because I always was kind of in love with New Orleans as a city. Maybe it's because I read a lot of gothic you know, literature growing up, Anne Rice and stuff like that. But I like the city. I'm going to say I love the city. Um, I feel very at home there. My intention is when I retire 
I'm going to split time between Maine, which is another, I can't believe that's not making my top vacation. Maine is one of the most gorgeous places in the world, like Katie National Park. I've only, I, I've been, I, I spent one night in Maine on a layover and. Acadia National Park is, if you're ever in Maine uh, and you get to go out to the island, uh, Mount Desert Island, go to Acadia and spend the day. We spent several days at Acadia. It's it's one of the few places on earth where they have a beach. It's not like a beach like you think of like a Florida beach is where I live now. Like, oh, the beach beach. Like it is a beach, but it's not warm even in the summer. It's very rocky. And I can only say that it's the standing on that beach. I remember looking at my wife and saying, I feel like I'm on another planet. It just doesn't even feel real. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, this isn't normal. So Maine would have to be up there. My plan to retire is to split time between Maine and New Orleans. And I was I was just going to say, I have been to Maine and I know exactly what you're talking about. And one of the things, one of my trips that I really want to do is I want to do one of those Alaskan cruises that starts in like Washington State. We do too. And, Me too. And goes like through Vancouver and goes up to Alaska. Like, I really want to do that. And I want to see that. But the thing is like, when I think of like my ideal place, if I could imagine that I don't need to do any, you know, work on a normal basis or worry about a work or I could just do everything that I do is all computer based. I don't have to worry about, you know, anything else. I would love to live in like Washington state along the coast of Pacific Ocean. I mean, I would love to live there. I lived there for 10 years and it's amazing. I mean, like anytime I ever see like any nature documentary or a movie that takes place in that area, I can't I, like I love what that is. And I would love to like find a little island and just live on an island where the only way you could get to the mainland is you have to wait for a ferry and you got to make sure you like I love the idea of that, like just being secluded, like totally secluded from everything. Like but I mean, like but live in a nice like. Like, Ed, I also like nice things. Like, I want to have, like, a nice house that has all the amenities, but be secluded. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to rough it in a cabin in the middle of nowhere. But I'd like to, you know, I would love to have, like, a really nice house in the, you know, the middle of nowhere in the woods and, like, breathe that nice Pacific Ocean mist every morning. And like I think that. that's that's why I picked the vacation of all the places I've been was my favorite because it was truly, I mean, I literally got to go hiking in the, in Mount Zion Canyon, which is just staggeringly beautiful. And the night I got done with our hiking trip, I got to sit down in a suite at Bally's and get a scotch and play blackjack. Like that's perfect. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. literally everything you could have to go on at once. So yeah, that's, that's, that's why it's my deal. Okay, so hopefully you learned a little bit more about us. Like I said, it's not necessarily always going to be a personal thing, but it, it it's going to be something off the wall. And don't expect it to be a Batman thing. I'm sure there will be some of our we listeners. We talk about Batman enough. <laughs> yes. yes. Honestly, I feel like there's some of our listeners who will be complaining about Monkey Watch because that's just how it happens. So when it gets yeah. here, are you going to have like a like a bumper like Monkey Watch? Well, yeah, well, I, I, was, I, I, I probably have to make up a new bumper. It might not be in this episode, but... Because the last bumper we had said Monkey Watch 2017, and obviously it's not 2017, so I might have to make hey, a new one. you don't got to listen anymore. Like, we're done talking about comics, so if that's yeah. what you're here for, you can check out. Yeah, so, like I said, our hope is to do this every episode. It gets you guys to learn a little bit more about us, and in some ways, hopefully, in some of these the stuff we're talking about, you can relate to, to some degree, or something that we that interests us you're also interested in so it's not just about batman and comics every single episode it gets us to be a little bit more personable with you guys so hopefully you enjoy monkey watch and obviously 
Head over to the website for all these news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and of course the comics. Also be sure to check out all the other podcasts that we have to offer. Lots of podcasts. We have a new episode of Robin Everyone Loves the Drake this week. There's a new episode of the TBU Commentaries, a new Bat Fans. So be sure to check out all the stuff that we have to offer over on the site. Also be sure to check out... I don't know why I didn't say this, but Bat Books for Beginners, because Bat Books for Beginners literally happens every week. We don't have an episode, so be sure to check that out. In addition to that, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all these news and videos from the Batman universe. You can leave us reviews on iTunes. Those are always greatly appreciated. And of course, we obviously want positive reviews, so if you don't enjoy us, just don't leave us a review, I guess, because that's the nice thing to do. Outside it, because I have, I, I recently checked iTunes and I saw some negative reviews like from the past year, and I was like, they really ha- have to hate us to leave a negative. Yeah, review. they really went on there. I saw that too, like just to tell me what a what a Scott Snyder shill I was. Yeah, yeah, they really, yeah. really did that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so the big thing is that we've got all kinds of content. Be sure to check it out. If you're listening to this right away on Friday, on Saturday, I'm going to do my annual uh, coverage of the Warner Brothers Hall H uh, thing on Twitter. And so if you are interested in finding out everything there is to know as it happens, just be sure to follow us on Twitter because I will be doing live coverage of Hall H presentation. And I'm sure we're going to see stuff for Aquaman, Shazam, probably Wonder Woman. And I'm really hoping some other stuff that they officially announce as a studio instead of just doing this third-party release stuff that they keep happening. So, And I did see that for those San Diego Comic-Con fans out there, they are going to be doing a stream of Hall H on Sirius XM on the EW channel. Wow, okay. There's that too. So with that, that is everything for this episode. We will see you guys again in two weeks. This is Dustin. This is Ed. This is Steph. And we'll see you guys next time. 